this isn't brain surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Happinesses and Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, practical tools to improve your mood and quality of life. This is segment three of four parts on triggers and cravings. In order to see all segments, you can subscribe to the podcast and your favorite podcast player. Um, again, that's Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery. In this section, we're going to continue to define triggers, help you explore your triggers, and identify ways to increase positive triggers in your life. So remember that we've talked about triggers can be, you know, visual, you can hear them, you can smell them, you can taste them. So let's figure out what we can do in order to identify the triggers that trigger your depression, your anxiety, your anger, and maybe your addictive behaviors, but also incorporate triggers that help you feel happy and content and relaxed and remember to use the skills that you're learning in counseling. So we're going to start with auditory triggers. Why? Because the alphabet starts with A, and I like alphabet alphabetizing things. Auditory triggers for depression, for example. For me, when I hear taps, um, that makes me cry every time. I don't like hearing taps. Um, so I know for me, if I hear that, that's going to be a mild depression trigger. Music can also trigger depression. It can also trigger happiness, you know, depending on what you're listening to. So you can listen to something that you know is going to make you have a good cry, or you can listen to something that is going to make you happy or determined. Um, I have a whole set of different playlists depending on my mood. Hearing children playing can trigger different moods in different people. If you're the grumpy old man who, you know, doesn't want anybody to walk on your lawn, then you might, when you hear children playing outside, start getting grumpy and angry and kids get off my lawn. Um, or you might be a mother or a parent who think, remembers back to when your kids were small and how awesome it was for them to be out having fun. Or you could be someone who's lost your child to, you know, a variety of different for a variety of different reasons. And it may make you sad when you hear children playing because you regret not being able to be there for your child or being able to access your child. So there are a lot of different auditory triggers out there. We're going to review for each of these um, the acronyms from Dialectical Behavior Therapy, Improve and Accept. Whenever you feel depressed, angry, anxious, or like engaging in escape or addictive behaviors. That's how you feel in that moment. That's okay. Accept it. Because if you fight it, you're going to get stuck there fighting with a feeling. And usually you don't win. So, But you have a choice to improve the next moment. You can accept how you feel in the moment and improve the next moment. So how do you do that? Um, what auditory triggers can you use when you're doing imagery? So if you're doing guided imagery, maybe you're thinking about going out into the forest and sitting, um, sitting on a stone watching a babbling brook. What do you hear? Really focus on all the things that you hear that might make you happy. So whatever it is in your happy place, when you use guided imagery to help you get there, you want to use all your senses. So really focus on what sounds make you happy. Um, you can also... Um, Use auditory triggers for relaxation. 
certain sounds may help you relax. You can put on some uh, white noise. You can put on some sounds of the waves coming in and out or thunderstorms. For me, it's thunderstorms. Love listening to thunderstorms. Very relaxing. Whatever works for you. So know what auditory triggers can help you feel like you're starting to relax. Um, and encouragement. What things can you put in your environment? What auditory cues can cheer you on? Maybe they're self-talk. You know, that's you hear that. You hear yourself talk to yourself. Um, what else can you put in your environment? Um, maybe you have a recording of your child saying, I love you, Mommy, um, or something else that makes you happy. My cat, Mojo, in the morning will get up on the counter and he'll say, Mom, because he wants treats. And it's a little game we have, whatever. It makes me happy. It doesn't take much to make me happy. But I do have a recording of him doing that, and I laugh every time. So find things that you can hear that are going to help you feel happy. Activities that you can do that can help you improve your moment and accept the fact that, okay, I'm feeling depressed or anxious right now. What things involve sound can you do that are activities that might help you feel better. Sometimes putting on really happy music can help you feel a little bit better. Um, what sounds can help you push away the negative thoughts? Sometimes it's turning on the TV and getting involved in a television program. So you're hearing what the people are saying and you're not listening as much to the voices in your own head. So think about what those triggers might be. Um, auditory triggers for anxiety, for some people it's sirens, the phone ringing, sudden loud noises, creaking floorboards, whatever it is that triggers anxiety for you. You know, you want to have a list of those because you want to figure out how to deal with them. Can I eliminate those? If it's a creaking floorboard, one, you might be able to fix that. If you live in a house that was built in 1920, you're probably going to have to figure out a different way to deal with it. Um, my daughter, every once in a while, she'll get into reading books about the supernatural. And every noise and everything she hears kind of freaks her out. But she's decided that when the dog is in her room, the dog will alert her if there's anything to be worried about. And she knows that it's completely superstitious, but she does it and it makes her feel better. So, you know, whatever, the dog gets to sleep on her bed. Figure out ways that you can reduce the impact of negative triggers that you can't eliminate. Uh, addiction. Well, anything that reminds you of the addictive behavior or anything that triggers unpleasant thoughts, anger, anxiety, stress, depression, may trigger your desire to engage in that behavior because it produces pleasure when you're either hurting or you're not feeling any. So what triggers do you have that you hear um, for one of my clients, and I never really thought about it, um, in the residential unit, he, he came up to me one day and he said, you know, can we do anything about getting rid of these sugar packets? And I kind of looked at him cross-eyed and I said, what's wrong with the sugar packets? And he, he pointed out to me that the sound of shaking down a sugar packet before pouring it into your coffee is the same sound that, that it makes when you shake down a cocaine baggie before you get out the cocaine. And I said, Oh, so when, when he was hearing that, it was triggering him. So we moved over to the little poor things because he wasn't the only one that was being triggered, I'm sure, but he was the only one who noticed it, identified it, and was willing to say something about it. Um, 
what triggers happiness in you? I've already told you about mojo talking, and we've talked about children laughing. Um, what other sounds make you happy? I love chickadees. They make the cutest little sound. So when they come to my bird feeder, I really enjoy hearing them. But what other auditory triggers, what things can you hear that make you happy? Triggers can also be visual. Um, triggers for depression. My grandma, um, the house that I always visited her in, you know, when she passed on, they sold it. And the people who bought it demolished the house and put a whole new house there. So it's not there anymore. So when I drive by where her house should be, um, or I see it on Google Earth or something, and it's not there, it makes me sad for a minute. I don't have to linger there. I just accept that I'm sad and move on. Pictures of abused animal or animals or children. These will come up on my Facebook feed. And I'm like, really? I don't want to see that. Um, so figuring out how do you make Facebook not show you those things, but also how do you protect yourself from seeing those things? And when you see them, what do you do? And television shows it can be really depressing. Um, so if it triggers something in you that, you know, makes you sad, there are certain shows you may not want to watch. On the same side, there are some shows that may make you laugh hysterically that you do want to watch when you're having a bad day. Um, so going back to, remember, imagery, what can you see? What sort of visual things, when you go to your happy place, what do you see? And be very detailed about what you're seeing and why it makes you happy. Um, and we're going to talk about feel and stuff later. The other things that are visual... Are there things that you see that can help you feel more relaxed? For me, it's organization. If I walk in and the house is clean and there's not stuff all over every flat surface, I'm just like, oh, this looks nice. It's a good day. <laughs> um, what is it that helps you relax? What is it that you can look at? I also have tapestries that are on the wall that go with auditory and visual because it dampens any echoing in our house so we don't have the loud noises as much but they also have pretty pictures on them and that makes me happy i can look at those they make me feel content help me relax maybe take a little mini mental vacation as i teleport myself into the thomas kincaid uh, tapestry uh, what triggers your anxiety some things are really obvious you know going on a job interview or you know, driving in heavy traffic, going on a vacation, flying, whatever it is for you. Um, but some are not as obvious. Like I know before my mother comes, my anxiety level goes through the roof if the house is not perfectly clean and organized. Um, I know that for me and my whole family knows that for me. So <laughs> they remind me that, you know, your anxiety is going to go up. And so they help me kind of organized as best as possible, but I've also realized that she's always going to find clutter. So it's just a matter of understanding that and figuring out how to deal with it in my own head because, you know, ultimately I have to be happy living in my own skin. Addiction, visual triggers for addiction can be any reminders of the substance, activity of choice, or emotional or physical pain. So when people see something that reminds them of the worst day of their life, um, or even something really stressful, their first reaction, well, their first reaction is to get upset, and their second reaction is try to make that upsetness go away. What visual things 
either remind you of your escape behavior of choice because it produces pleasure and what visual visual triggers again trigger unpleasant emotions um, if we're talking about drug use you know things as innocuous like brillo pads or um, empty coke cans may serve to trigger certain people um, in our house since we do a lot of animal rescue i always have syringes in the closet i mean i have i buy them in bulk and not with the needles just with the syringes because that's what you feed infant kittens and puppies with but that's a trigger for some people so if i had someone with an uh, uh, injection addiction in my house that would probably be a huge trigger for them eliminating those things but also putting in visual triggers that remind you of all the reasons you don't want to engage in that behavior pictures of your kids pictures of your diploma how far you've come the house that you bought whatever successes you've had pictures if you're in 12-step programs of your chip um, share things on social media and have things I always say it but it's so true because most of us are mobile devices and appendage so if you have folder after folder of happy memories and happy triggers in here it's going to be easier to find things that will help you when you're feeling stuck, anxious, afraid. Some of them can even be memes that remind you to, um, you know, let go and let God. Or ego stands for edging God out. Any of those sayings that are meaningful to you, if you've got them handy, you start scrolling through when you start feeling stressed, you'll find one and you'll be like, I needed to see that today. It's all good. Increase those and have pictures of things that are important to you even if you're not in recovery you know increase the happiness um, we have when i drive to work in the morning i always count how many wild bunnies how many wild deer well obviously wild deer um and uh how many uh hawks that i see because i mean we live out in the middle of the country and i love springtime when all the bunnies are just kind of out everywhere in our neighborhood um, and that makes me happy so i'm not it's not unheard of for me to pull the car over or stop the car and take pictures of the bunnies on the way out of the of the development nobody cares at 5 30 in the morning i'm not holding up traffic promise but figure out visual triggers for your imagery visual triggers that help you find meaning in what you're doing and in recovery visual triggers for prayer maybe it's it is a prayer or maybe it is um you know i have my rosary with me um wherever i go and i used to have a crucifix that i wore so those visual triggers helped keep me grounded um, visual triggers for relaxation what is it that you see and you're just like that's a good good memory um, visual triggers for a mental vacation or for encouragement you know maybe you have a to-do list or a bucket list and you've got things marked off or maybe you have um just encouraging sayings about failure or success or dedication that help you stay focused and do the next right thing reminding you that you can do it uh, what visual triggers remind you to do activities that make you happy for me i put my gym bag by the door in the morning so you know it's all ready to go i'm not going to forget to go to the gym but it's a visual cue to remind me to go visual triggers for con contributing can be marking on your calendar days that you're going to volunteer or you know coming up with ideas and having an alarm set in your phone to remind you to maybe go pick up trash in your neighborhood or along your street that day 
um, visual triggers for pleasant sensations. You know, sometimes just looking at something like um, someone getting a massage, you can kind of envision yourself getting a massage. Do what you can to put as many positive, pleasant things in your environment as possible. And look, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, um, look into books, and Feng Shui for Dummies is a really good book, um, and it is pretty basic, but it gives you an idea about different things you can do to reduce stress in your environment, and different things in your environment that actually might be visually causing you stress, because there's a lot of chaos um, in, in the environment. So you may want to look at that too. This is one of my favorite memes. Um, and every time I look at it, I go, aw. But he says, my name's not aw. My name's Jeffrey. It's a visual trigger. You see something that's really cute and you're like, aw. Um, so remembering that there are things that you may not even pay attention to that trigger positive feelings. Triggers can also be smell. So what smells trigger your depression? You know, for some people, it's a hospital smell. Um, when my son was in the NICU for so long, that actually became a second home to me. And we had very, very awesome nurses. And it was, you know, for what it could be, a decent experience. Um, so when I smell that smell, I remember having my first child. And it's actually a happy memory but not so much for a lot of other people. So what smells? And sometimes it's not in a hospital, but you go somewhere and they use the same chemicals that they used in that hospital and you smell it and you're like, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not feeling it. Not sure why, but I'm not feeling it right now. The smell of smoke can be positive for some people, negative for the other. Cologne and perfume. Sometimes it reminds you of your favorite aunt. Sometimes it may remind you of being victimized by somebody or your worst enemy be aware of scents because sometimes you'll get on an elevator and somebody will have that cologne on and you're just like um yeah i need to get out of here understanding that that may be a member memory triggered by that cologne and you will be able to get away from it um, addiction can be triggered by smells of the addictive behavior cigarette smoke if you're trying to quit smoking but if you happen to be an alcoholic um, or um, have an, an addiction to alcohol, then smelling cigarette smoke, which is common in bars, may also trigger your desire to drink. So it's important to understand in that environment that you are engaging in the addictive behavior, what were the sights, smells, and sounds that might trigger you to want to use again? And what smells trigger happiness? Colognes and perfumes, I mean, I think we all can go to different stores and, and test different colognes and perfumes and find ones that make us happy um, or we think smell really good. You don't necessarily know. I mean, I don't think I've ever been exposed to plumeria in life, but when I smell it, I'm like, that smells really nice. And it's one that I would gravitate towards. Um, so knowing what smells make you happy and don't trigger unhelpful behaviors or unhelpful um, or unpleasant thoughts is really important. Smells are one of our greatest memory triggers. So the more you can use smell to bring positive memories and happy memories, the better off you'll be, you'll be because you're creating an environment that's sort of filled with positivity. Cognitive triggers. 
Cognitive distortions like all or none thinking or taking everything personal or magnifying something. So instead of being a two on a scale of one to 10, you make it a 10, like somebody leaving the, the uh, toilet seat up. You know, in the big scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But if you blow it way out of proportion, if you react on a 10, um, that may be a cognitive distortion. If you start taking it as a huge personal affront because your roommate forgot to put down the toilet seat. Even if you did sit in it and get your butt wet at two in the morning. I digress. Um, <laughs> you know, some things are just facts of life and happenstance if you live with other people. So you can choose how to react to it. But cognitive distortions are the way you take in information and take in experiences and interpret them. Um, and cognitive distortions usually tend to be extreme and negative. So if you can look at those and remember the DBT principle of walking the middle path. So, okay, there's bad aspects to it, but what are the good aspects? Or ask yourself, is this really worth getting all that upset about? Until you figure out how to deal with those cognitive distortions and stop using them, finding a, a drop back way to deal with them when they happen will help you not get stuck in negativity and anger. With addiction, distress, intolerant thoughts, I can't stand this. This is going to make me go crazy. I have to make this stop. And other similar thoughts can make somebody feel like they have to numb the pain or they have to do something to bring pleasure because they can't stand feeling that blue for that long. So using distress tolerance skills can help deal with addiction and deal with the cognitive triggers the things you tell yourself that make you feel like you're stuck and happiness what can you do what thoughts can you have that trigger happiness well depression is characterized by hopelessness and helplessness so thoughts that make you feel empowered and hopeful are probably going to make you feel less depressed so what things in a situation do you have control over? And what things in the situation are you willing to use your precious energy on? You have control. You have the ability to decide where you're going to use your energy. And self-esteem thoughts, positive thoughts that you can tell yourself if you encounter a situation, you know, you don't get a job or maybe you meet someone and you don't hit it off and you're like, you know, well, that person doesn't like me. But. If you like yourself, then you can say, they're lost. If you don't like yourself, then you're like, why don't they like me? They have to like me because everybody has to like me, which is another cognitive distortion. So increasing positive thoughts about yourself so you are your own best friend and you know what you bring to the table and what positive qualities you have can help buffer you against any negativity that comes your way. Increasing awareness of the smallest triggers, like that sugar packet can help you refine your relapse prevention plan. And remember, relapse prevention plans involve not only addiction relapse, but also depression, anxiety, anger relapses, where you have a clinically distinct episode. Relapse prevention plans are ever-changing documents. As you learn more about yourself and develop new skills, you'll have new things to add, but you also might notice that some things don't bother you anymore. So you can kind of push those off to the side. Don't ever get rid of them. Push them off to the side because they may come back. But they don't require as much attention right now. 
If you start to feel depressed, anxious, angry, or like you want to use from out of the blue, so to speak, use your distress tolerance skills first. Don't start trying to figure out where it's coming from. Use your distress tolerance skills. Ride the wave until you can get into a better place mentally and emotionally. Then explore potential triggers. Ask yourself questions like, in what way was that situation like old distressful situations? I was watching a TV show last night and a actress came on and something about the structure of her face and the way she talks and the way she carries herself reminds me of one of my old bosses that was not a pleasant experience at all. Um, and I noticed that every time she came on TV and opened her mouth, I just wanted to clench my fists and fast forward through that, through that um, scene. So recognizing that things as innocuous as an actress on TV or an actor um, can remind you of negative situations. Not that you have to do anything about it, but that you can acknowledge that this really sucks. It's reminding me of your past. And yeah, she'll go away pretty soon. Um, so you can get through it and you know that the pain doesn't have to continue. Give yourself power. Give yourself hope. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, um, Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes. You can also join our community at DocSnipes.com or join our Facebook group at DocSnipes.com slash Facebook. Each year, 2.6 million people receive treatment for co-occurring and mental health and addiction. Ah. Each year, 2.6 million people receive treatment for co-occurring mental health and addictive disorders. These people need specialized support to maintain the gains they make in treatment. The average cost of a residential treatment program is $19,000 per month. And once they leave residential, people in early recovery are only able to access their counselor for one of the 168 hours in a week. So there's a lot of time where people really need additional support. AllCEUs.com, in cooperation with Recovery and Resilience International, has developed a comprehensive, interactive, multimedia coaching certification training package for $399. This six-month certification program provides you with the education in the three areas vital to your success as a recovery coach. Coaching, of course, business management, and marketing. Go to AllCEUs.com slash addiction to learn more.